Austin Trunick tells us in Volume 1 of the Canon Film Guide that championship season's path to the big screen was long and rather circuitous. That championship season began its life as a play by Jason Miller, a writer, director, and actor best known for playing Father Karras, the young priest in The Exorcist. After a Ballyhood premiere run off-Broadway in 1972, that championship season moved to Broadway, where it stayed for two years and 700 performances. Paul Sorvino, who co-stars in the film, originated his role in the stage version. The show received rave reviews and sold out many nights of its run. Greater prestige would follow. In 1973, it won the Tony Award for Best Play. While Miller was on the set of The Exorcist, he received a phone call informing him that the play had won him the Pulitzer Prize. Film producers were interested in bringing that championship season to movie theaters before Jason Miller himself was. Miller first adapted his play for the screen in 1975. Studios were quite eager to bring the highly lauded theatrical production to cinemas, but for years, each planned version fell apart for one reason or another. Often, it was due to Miller sticking to his guns, refusing to make changes that producers felt would make a movie adaptation more marketable to wider audiences. In 1976, Columbia Pictures offered to produce the movie if Miller would relocate its setting from his hometown of Scranton, Pennsylvania to Pasadena, California. Once again, Miller refused to make the change. To him, Scranton itself was practically a character within the play. Not only did Miller desire that the story remain set there, but he wanted to actually shoot the movie in Scranton. So Austin Trunick tells us here that Jason Miller refused to change the setting of that championship season because to him, Scranton itself was practically a character in the story. And as compelling a figure as Jason Miller was and remains, the city of Scranton seems to have the lead in the telling of this story in 2022, a story about the making of Jason Miller's film in Scranton in 1982, 40 years ago. As we remember, the play and film circle around a group of former teammates who won the state basketball championship and returned to their hometown for a reunion. Robert Savakinas of Cannon Fire Productions and Luz Cabrales of Scranton Films collaborated on the documentary, Scranton's Championship Season. Luz Cabrales and Bob Savakinas stopped in at the WVIA studios to talk about the project and how it came about. Way back in 2009, I started doing documentary work and my first one was Rocky Glenn. You had me on your show way back when, and we talked about, you know, Rocky Glenn and all the great memories. And for me, it was just an easy documentary to do because people just loved Rocky Glenn. So it was kind of an easy way to get into the business because it was an easy subject that everybody loved. So it made for a great success. Um, continue those projects with the Return to Rocky Glenn documentary, several other ones, Hanson's Park, 
which I know you guys here at WVIA broadcast that fairly recently. Did one for Steamtown, uh, the train museum and things like that. So just a couple other documentaries. So as time moved along, it just became an easy thing to start working on more and more documentaries. But of course, as you work on more documentaries and the content is out there and the stories are out there, you need to kind of expand. And that's one of the reasons that I reached out to Luz. I seen some of the things that she did at a film festival and I thought, you know, I think we might be able to team up together and work together and work on future documentary projects such as the one that we're going to talk a little bit more about today. And Luce, what do you see for Scranton Films? What do you really want to be doing with? Well, with Scranton Films, I have been doing this for the last few years. My goal was to bring filmmakers together, bring filmmakers together to collaborate on projects. Uh, we all have a creative creative uh, field, in, but sometimes we don't know how to do certain things, right? So if you bring in someone to collaborate with you, then you make a stronger project. Uh, this was an opportunity for me to go back on my word and say, you know, this is what I'm trying to do. And uh, Bob came in with the idea of the a new project, uh, that championship season 40th anniversary. And I thought it was just a great opportunity for us to collaborate and to really keep honing those skills, not just for myself, but also for to bring in Scranton Films uh, and get that audience that maybe we're not reaching. And thank you, you know, thanks to Bob, you know, we're doing that right now. And how did you approach that collaboration then? Did you sit down and did you have the treatment and you just jumped in? Or how did that collaboration really work itself out? I think, again, it just started with the idea that I had a documentary concept, a lot of interest in the community to make it happen. And usually in my role as a producer, I, I get out there and get to our locations. I get our different people to be interviewed, work on the different public relations aspect but then I always need the technical support with that which is again I seen Luz's work at a film festival last year and you know when approached her about it and thought what do you think of the idea and again we're promoting the city of Scranton so much and all the great things that have happened in Scranton in those 40 years and I think that's natural to what Luz's uh, business ideas of Scranton Films promoting our area via documentaries and film projects and video shorts. Had you seen that championship season before Bob reached out to you? You know, I knew about the project and I knew about the film and I hadn't had a chance to watch it, but I knew the um, the idea behind it, that it brought a lot of people together uh, in Scranton and at a time where it most needed it, uh, both economically and just, you know, getting the Hollywood vibe in a small town. And I, I'm trying to do that here. So I was like, that's, that's perfect. You know, uh, so when he came uh, with the idea to collaborate, I mean, it really didn't take much for me to say yes. Uh, it was just he had the passion and Bob had built relationships in the area uh, over the last few years, uh, well, over the last years, because he is a native of, you know, northeastern Pennsylvania. And myself coming in from California, going to Merriwood here, slowly getting that community as well. And knowing that this film was made in Scranton, that's really what started the Scranton Films uh, model of just bringing back film back to Scranton. Uh, so that's that's why that excited me, and uh, I think we work well together. We do. You have wonderful people, your guests, telling the story of the making of that championship season here. But the fact that the film is celebrating 40 years, you were lucky to get some of the people. How many did you talk to? I think we did 21 or 22, Lose. I think it was 23. 23. Yeah, so 23. 23 interviews. And again, exactly what you're saying, Erica, is the idea that if we looked at the 50th anniversary of, of this movie, I'm not sure if we would have a lot of the people still around to be involved in this project. You know, again, it's 40 years, which takes its toll on time on everybody. 
but I think it was the right opportunity and the great great time to do it now just because the people that we interviewed, people such as George Lowry, and I'm very proud to have George in this side. He's legendary in Scranton. He was the zookeeper at Nayak Park for over 25 years, and he was in the film, and I think he gave us a great interview. In fact, I know he gave us a great interview. People like Jim Cullen, who wrote a song that championship season, had a small role in the movie at the beginning, and is a legendary local musician as well. And uh, just the idea that this was the perfect time. You know, there's always a perfect time to do things, and, and it's very hard, you know, during these times to make creative projects. But this particular one, I was very lucky to have Bob to do that part of the of the production, to get the interviews, to get the people. I just told him the other day, I said, you really did get a, a very well-balanced in, in people into the into the documentary. And those people, like he said, some of them we have, is it uh, Letary? Robert Letary. Robert Letary, about 80, 80 years old. Time does take a toll. We probably wouldn't have that had that opportunity. And he brought so much to the project. Just those stories, you know, and again, the community has some so many stories and even one of them is the one that's going to make a difference in the documentary. And we were just talking about the reporter, Joe Butash, Joe Butash that he I mean, he just retired. You know, he retired and he was a videographer, photographer for so many years. And he had just started like two years prior into when he did that film. So now we're doing this and it was just maybe about a month that he had retired when we interview him. So it sort of brought, as an editor of the film, it really gave an insight of what we're going to do with this film. It's going to touch someone's life. They're going to remember what they did when they were in their 20s, their 30s. And I think we saw a lot of that. They were very happy and thankful for us to be doing this. And just to be able to share that with the future generation is, is great. Let's approach the story Jason Miller wrote. What is it that Jason was exploring in this story that is set in Scranton that really tells Scranton about itself? I I think that we look at it, and I'm also proud that we have Mayor Paige Cognetti of Scranton in the documentary, and I think that kind of is the the focal point of the tying together of why we're looking at this. 1982, Hollywood came to Scranton. Newsweek magazine gave us like a three-page story about Hollywood coming to Scranton back in 1982 when they were, were making the film. And we tie that together with how Scranton was somewhat depressed at that time. In, if you watch the film, you'll see the scenes of the Radisson Lackawanna Station was boarded up at that time. Nayog Park had nowhere near all the facilities and amenities that it has now. So I think in the 40 years, the city has developed so much. And I think, again, with Mayor Cognetti, her interview and talking about how important filmmaking can be to a community. And it kind of ties in with the idea of what I'd like to see happen. I'd love to see some Hollywood studios look at northeastern Pennsylvania and say you have such unique attractions, you have such a unique history and such, uh, you know, a great community and everything. So part of my goal is to, and I believe what lose with Scranton Films as well, is just to make films here in northeastern Pennsylvania, Hollywood films, real movies, um, as that championship season was made in 1982. Your title, for example, it's Scranton's apostrophe, Scranton's championship season. There's the sports metaphor of that championship season, the original, and those analogies are apt for what you're doing in your documentary, too. Yes, yes, and I think, uh, like you said, the story, the original story from Jason Miller really did capture that uh, both in the play and in the film, just the the fact that this group of, of men were coming home in their 40s, and they were reliving a moment where they were champions. They were, you know, they were it in town, but they all had to move on with their lives and the strains of life and just uh, the changes. So they all came home together. It, you know, it's so basically, I think the story will be about two days, but like one day, one night 
really of just reminiscing about that and bringing out all the hardships that they've all gone through. But in that same time, uh, it is well explained in the in Scranton's championship season by our stories where it was also about Scranton. It was about a time where we were struggling, but we needed to come together to bring that. And they knew that it wasn't going to be easy, right? Both in their stories and also in the town, but it was going to happen. And um, I think that is what we try to capture as well. As an editor, I try to gear the way I told the story based on all these interviews to match with the theme of the film, but also with the current times that, yes, you know, we are at a time where it's really, Scranton is really booming. Real estate, a lot of people, but we're also struggling to keep our talent here or to bring, bring talent to the area. So I think being that Jason Miller was a native of Scranton, it says a lot that we have so much talent in the area to be able to make more stories, but we just need, we need that push someone to believe in us and just keep honing those skills for the people that are here and also for the people that leave and come back home to make more films. So really just the whole idea, it all ties together with the people that are here now, the people that will come later and, and the ones that left their stories behind. And the stories are tremendous because there are some that do give that perspective and that feeling, but there are the delightful ones where we get to go inside the home where the family still could take you around and viewers will be leaning in and looking around to see if they can recognize the house. Also, it was great when you had the conversation with the security captain and he was saying, it wasn't just about security. It was about going to Abe's and getting sandwiches for the guys as they were filming at night in the gym. People in America love film and they love to know those inside stories, don't we? Yes, and I think uh, if I can answer this, it says so much about a small town, right? It says so much that in a small town, we make things happen, right? We make things happen in the middle of the night. Well, all we have to do is make a phone call and someone will say, yeah, I'll be right there. And it's that sense of community that you know, a lot of these companies, studios, will not get in a big city, you know, because it is rush, rush, rush. Here we take our time to get to know the people. And we know that, you know, if Bob calls me in the middle of the night and says, I'm doing a project and I need something, I know that you can get it. Can you help me out? We're going to be there for that. And we're going to help each other. And there's nothing that we're waiting in return for, you know, other than to help out. So just that idea when he talks about that, that's a very key moment in the story where, in, in the way I edited it, I just left it. Let him talk because that says so much about, look, this is what it's all about in a small town. And he has so much fun. He has so much fun. And he, those stories are always going to be with him. And he's probably telling those stories to, you know, his grandchildren or the people that he knows. And I hope they get to see that. That is, you know, you're not going to find that in a, in a bigger city where everyone is disconnected. Now, Tilly, tell us. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, uh, the elephant was the symbol of, you know, we had the famous elephant at Nayag Park. And again, that's one of the reasons why we had George Lowry, the zookeeper, as a part of it. Of course, there's the famous scene in the movie itself in which you know, the elephant died, passed away, even though it was just given as a gift to the city by the mayor, Sitkowski, played by Bruce Stern and everything. And, uh, the, you know, the elephant's body was buried at a mine shaft in Taylor and everything. So, you know, again, there's some interesting stories about all of it. Um, but, you know, I'm going to go back a little bit to what Luz was talking about. And one of the interviews that I'm really happy to have in this is it's a national interview in that Austin Trunnick. He's an author, and he wrote a book on the history of Canon films. And the Canon Group was a company from the 70s until the early 90s that made over 200 films. And most of those movies starred people like Charles Bronson, Chuck Norris, the action stars. 
So for them to support this kind of movie, that championship season was was a step up for them as a company in that they were now looking at more art films. And Austin wrote a book about the history of Canon films. And there's a chapter in the book about that championship season, which details more about the movie and highlights Scranton. And uh, as far as my company goes, we've talked about Lewis Scranton Films. My company's called Canon Fire Productions. And it's kind of a homage, if you want to call it that, to the Canon group that existed back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s and produced all those movies with so many stars. His presence is important because you ask, how does Jason Miller come at this point not having directed a film before? How does he get the resources to do a film like this and all these stars? Could he have paid all of these actors? And that comes out in the conversation with him and that it was the two-way street. It definitely was. Uh, and we have a very rare interview that he did. I think it was maybe 10 years after. And he was reminiscing about that. But just to, to fall on Bob and what he said about the Canon Group, I think they believed in him. So he had built a relationship in Hollywood. Uh, he had been in major movies before. And he also built a relationship that he really cared about the city of Scranton, that he wrote about it. Because everything that is there, there's just all these little Easter eggs, right? That uh, we know if, if, if you see the story. And I think he really did build a relationship with this company that they believed in him so much that they said, we'll give you all this and you have total creative control. So having that, I mean, it's a major part, but he had, uh, I'm pretty sure he had to work with and he had to sacrifice certain things. In, in the documentary, he talks about how he could have made this 10 years before the date but they wanted to compromise his creativity for that. And he wanted it to do it a certain way. And um, I, I think he was able to capture that. I, I wish this movie was more popular and hopefully maybe after this documentary, people start watching it and really seeing its, um, its impact that it had, not just here, but hopefully in smaller towns of, uh, of America. One of the things that does come through in the people who are sharing their stories with us about it is the joy and their eyes light up and this was a really special moment this was a big thing i was in newsweek how could a young woman from scranton get to be in newsweek and all those things and i think that's what they call the magic of hollywood i mean everybody wants to be a part they want to touch a star in some capacity whether they want to get an autograph they want to meet them for a photo op or anything and i'm going to probably lead into a project that i'm also involved with and it was a movie called the beast comes at midnight and i was one the producers in Florida on this movie and it's a PG-13 it's a Goonies style movie and we do have two major stars in it Eric Roberts who was in many many movies and Julia Roberts brother and the interesting thing about Eric Roberts is that uh, he was in a canon movie called Runaway Train that was actually up for an Academy Award at one point for a couple of different categories so the canon group again was involved in some other projects including that championship season that were a little bit more arts related um, and Michael Perret he was famous for Eddie and the Cruisers. But anyway, this movie was filmed, and again, with some major stars, with the company that is interested in Northeastern PA and wants to make future films. I wanted to focus for a moment on the final time we see Jason in the film, and he talks about directing and how he approaches directing, how he thinks about working with actors, what he thinks good actors. He talks about good actors and what they can bring to a project. Each of you as a filmmaker, what do you think about what you heard him saying there? Well, I think, again, I left that just be, uh, he speaks about what it is to be a director, what it is to be a director, not just demanding how to do a scene or to say action, cut, you know. It was more about having a relationship with the actors, knowing what they, what they can perform and how deep they can get into the scene. 
But also uh, what I saw behind that is that it really says a lot about our relationships with other people in your community that you cannot be demanding. You cannot be me, 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 and this is all about me. You have to be able to work together and to collaborate. And that's how you're going to get the best out of people. And also you, that's how you're going to get the best uh, out of an actor when you're directing to really get to know them. And that's when they really see the passion you'll have for a project, the passion you have for your city or for whatever you're making as far as projects. And it really does say a lot. So I think that's what we take more out of that, that he's not really just saying directing. You know, he's really saying you got to be nice to people. You got to be firm, uh, but you also have to be able to hear their ideas and then shape that. And that kind of brings me back with Bob that we had that throughout. You know, he came to me with this project, probably, I think it was February. This was a very quick project, February. And then he's like, this is what I have. Can you help me out? And I said, yeah, let's collaborate. And we started that. He was very good at getting those interviews. He was very good at getting those resources ready. And really, all I had to take care of was the creative part. We make a good team as far as doing these projects. Um, Obviously, we did a record turnaround, I think, for a documentary. I mean, in four or five months, we put together a documentary from beginning to end. And I think it's, or I know it's going to be a very good quality product that will be out there, um, you know, at the drive-in at other locations. We're going to have DVDs produced. We have a couple of t-shirts that we're producing for Scranton's championship season. Again, just that idea of celebrating the city of Scranton, celebrating Northeastern Pennsylvania and what happened here in 1982, the magic of Hollywood coming here. And fast forward 40 years later, as I said earlier, that, you know, we have a studio from Florida that's interested in our area. So between our collaboration and pushing with our friends and organizations and everything, um, we're going to put Northeastern PA back on the map for filmmaking and let the rest of the world see all the great attractions, events, and community and people that we have in our area, such as yourself, Luz. Well, thank you. And it was finished because of that trust that we had in each other, even though we really just had met professionally and started talking about the project. But uh, it's great to have that, and I hope people see it. I hope uh, business, you know, the studios see that, that we have that here and we can make things happen. We heard from Luz Cabrales of Scranton Films and Robert Savakinas of Cannon Fire Productions about their original documentary, Scranton's Championship Season. For more information on the web, LackawannaHistory.org, LackawannaHistory.org, or ScrantonFilms.com, ScrantonFilms.com. Thanks again, Luce and Robert. We spoke just before the premiere of the documentary one year ago this month. August 18th was the premiere at the Circle Drive-In in Dixon City. Now, one year later, almost to the day, Scranton's championship season will be broadcast on WVIA-TV this Tuesday, August 15th at 8 p.m. For more information, wvia.org, wvia.org. That's Scranton's championship season to be broadcast on WVIA-TV this Tuesday night, August 15th at 8 o'clock. And for more information, wvia.org.